And we go. Happy um, end of harvest. What a loaded day this became. Publisher Parish. I guess if you're uh, not willing to put your voice out there, um, how can we move forward? Delta. Learning how to parse a sentence like a pro and uh, all that good stuff. <laughs> Thursday, November 24th. 2022. I'm Steven Sersky. Hope you folks are doing well. And yes, this is a... I didn't know this day had gotten triggered. I didn't know that this day was uh, a cause of triggeredness. Uh, U.S. Thanksgiving is today, so stock market is closed. Um, and um, I received a few messages from uh, Chinese uh, friends and colleagues who are like, Happy Thanksgiving. I'm like, Canadian. <laughs> Uh, my thanks, my nation's Thanksgiving was um, at the uh, beginning of October, October 9th. It's the first Monday of October. Uh, and uh, they uh, and then I, I did wish a few American friends a uh, happy Thanksgiving, to which I got the response, well, <laughs> basically as associating the day with uh, the opposition, uh, the oppression, the suppression, and the uh, uh, removal of the indigenous peoples from North America, as it, in, in the United States, of course. No. But of course, if what goes on in the United States is supposed to go around the world, I think they also refer to Canada as well, but again, our Thanksgiving is on in October. Um, the, I didn't realize that this day was so triggered, to tell you the truth. I really didn't. Uh, I didn't know that this one had become uh, a point of contention as well. And it's... Now, it might be sort of symbolic of those who've stayed in China, that the expats who have remained just refuse to go back to the United States, like the, or back to Canada or wherever. So it's that they are so disgusted with what they see going on back in the States that uh, it's they would rather be somewhere else than over there. Um, now... So, I would love to go on and talk about all the idiosyncrasies and, well, what about this and what about that, historical that. At the end of the day, I'm sitting here as a Canadian um, hearing these words and as someone who's lived in a few different parts of the world, uh, that uh, th there is a time when harvest ends. And I, I guess the issue is then... If you're saying that this day represents such and such e historical bad events, then you can't celebrate having food because having food would be reminiscent of the farmers and the farmers is the, are the settlers and the colonists. So you see how that, that argument can get distorted very quickly, right? So with this day, Thanksgiving, um, I'm, I recall this briefly being discussed uh, years ago, and I can't remember... Is with it was in relation to uh, Canadian Thanksgiving that it was sort of a um, an appreciation of the the work that the farmers had done uh, to bring in the crops from from the year for the year and basically in preparation for the winter months that are uh, coming ahead. That doesn't seem to, seem to be the case here. I mean this day, this day has been uh, politicized politicized um, and it's it, it's bizarre. It was kind of um, surprising actually, and it wasn't just from like one or two people, it was actually uh, quite a few, to tell you the truth. Uh, so a little bit surprising there. But 
I, I guess with this, I, I am sort of drawn to this idea, this argument then, okay, well, if, the, if Thanksgiving can't happen, then what ha- then Christmas can't happen. Or if you're not going to celebrate Thanksgiving, then you can't celebrate Christmas. You'd have to make it Xmas or holidays, happy holidays, if they're that happy anymore, I guess. Uh, and so it becomes this semantics. It's an argument of semantics, really. Happy Thanksgiving Day to uh, U.S. Americans. Uh, happy uh, thanks for the food, farmers, and um, thanks for the land, uh, indigenous people. Uh, thanks for being alive, and thanks for uh, the, the opportunities that we have in the present day uh, to uh, uh, actually be around the world at this time. I know we're still, China is still going through this uh, COVID mess, and uh, it's... When are we going to get out of this? Good question. But, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> not even sure to tell you the truth. Happy end of harvest. There you go. How's that? Happy end of harvest. And uh, let's get ready for the winter uh, months in the northern hemisphere, which they're going to get cold. I mean, if it was hot this summer, uh, how, how quickly we forget and the heat dissipates from the summer uh, going into the winter. And, yeah, it's going to probably going to get cold. Publisher pairs. So this is um, actually kind of a thought that was sort of uh, um, provoked by this idea of uh, that the U.S. Thanksgiving is so sort of a controversial holiday now. And the idea being that if, especially in the modern day, if you're not willing to put your voice out there in a modern and accessible format, then how much can you criticize what's out there, right? And we all, we're familiar with the the water cooler conversations uh, and things like that. Um, They go, well, I heard this, well, I read this article, and uh, well, I Googled this, I've been researching this, and I don't think anyone can claim uh, PhD level research on any one topic, because if they did, they probably wouldn't be working in certain jobs here. So with this, it is... I, I wonder, and th- this is sort of where like I- I'm on the side of like I'd rather publish. Uh, I would I would like to have a record of my own thoughts uh, going through these times, and I know not everybody's going to agree with them, and I know that not everybody likes what I say, uh, and that uh, sometimes the way that I say things as well can stir up some uh, reaction as well. That being the case. If someone is not willing to publish and, and put their voice out there so everybody can also criticize, it's like it's very easy to give a criticism and then retreat into the crowd. Whereas if you are a podcaster, if you're a blogger, if you're a publisher, you are putting your voice out there. And we are. We do have the means to do this. A lot of people have the means. And I don't think actually go very far to say that it's not that easy and that not everybody should. But at the same time, if, if, if not everybody should be a publisher or can be a publisher, then at what point do those voices also get heard in, in the crowd or from the crowd, right? What responsibility to, do publishers have to represent uh, not just their own voice and their own opinions, but the voice of the people they talk to, uh, the feedback they get, 
uh, whether it's public or private, the criticisms. Uh, and it is, it's kind of, it's almost like teaching argumentative essays in university, uh, trying to explain to first-year university students, uh, you can't just cite the internet as where you got the information from. And they're like, well, but that's where I got it from. And went, yes, the internet is a big place. You have to give me a location so I can go check it because in this circumstance when uh, someone says, well, I got it from the internet, well, where did you get it from? And if they say something like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Pick, pick a news agency, pick a mainstream news agency uh, that quotes someone else who, like a, a store clerk or someone in contrast to quoting, you know, the WHO or something like that, like the, the director of the WHO, World Health Organization, right? So there's there's a difference of sources and there's a difference of ways that those sources are represented, represented in that article. Uh, and so this is just very generally speaking, but... Again, if you're publishing uh, on your own, especially because, let's face it, a lot of the technologies that we are using to be so free in our publishing did come from the United States. A lot of them, a lot of technologies, the software. I mean, there are other places, but a lot of them are fundraising through New York. And uh, you've heard me talk about the stock market before. It's a big pool of money swirling around. And as much as people like to criticize big corporations and the New York Stock Exchange. Boy, you 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 tout that idea that they could be a public company and getting raise money from a share issuance. I mean, that's a tempting offer to a lot of people. Other people don't want to get involved and they don't want to do that sort of thing. They're not even interested in learning about it uh, to uh, uh, to to make anything more of themselves, uh, to make anything more of their financial situation or their their current situation. Um, to them, I kind of wonder if they know about dividends and interest payments. It just seems like a very good idea to uh, to learn about, to tell you the truth, uh, to diversify your incomes, to get away from depending on the wage working and your abilities to show up for work all day, uh, every day, because there might be a time when you can't. And so you kind of want to be able to have more than one source of income. And that's a digression, again, from the publisher parish. Given the ability to publish, um, you can monetize, and I, the Amer again, U.S. Americans have a lot of ways to monetize. And one of the <laughs> one of the things that gets me as a Canadian is that I can't take advantage of some of these things, like Anchor.fm. So my the the uh, company I use to host this podcast here uh, that gets distributed to Spotify and also to Apple and then to Google, right through that RSS feed. If you're American, if you're from the United States, if you have a residential address or like a bank account in the States, they will, uh, I guess if you have a U.S. postal code, you can monetize your podcast and get affiliate uh, network, uh, affiliate marketing schemes and stuff like that um, and things like that. So you get a commission if uh, people sign up or per listens. I'm not sure. I can't, I'm not sure how the anchor system works. I as a Canadian cannot. But find me a Canadian podcast hosting a, a company that I can do that with. <laughs> doesn't happen. Um, there's nothing from anchor.fm.ca. There, that site doesn't exist. Uh, can I do it in China? Uh, as far as I know, you need a, a, a mainland Chinese residence card in order to do this. Now, I'm not sure if the, per, uh, the permanent residence card will do this. I'm not sure. I don't know. But you have to be a Chinese mainlander. <sighs> Jeez, 
being Canadian, come on, what's going on? All right, so uh, Delta learning. So yesterday I talked about, briefly, I really talked about uh, how I've been doing some reading for this Delta program that I'm uh, working my way through. Deadline of December 7th, that's D-Day, uh, Delta Day, as a D- December Delta Day, which is, uh, yeah, so I guess it's going to be in the morning. It's a three-hour exam that I have to write all about the uh, the wonders of the English language which is uh, part and parcel of what I do here in China. Um, I, I guess I, I've made, I think I've, if I have not alluded to it, then I've, if I haven't said it, then I've alluded to it. One of my issues and one of my fears is that I have to deal with grammar and that I have to work on how to deal with grammar. And I was reading this book. It's called About Language, Tasks for Teachers of English by Scott Thornberry. Now, Scott Thornberry is this guy who sort of wrote just about all the textbooks that we can read for this thing. I kind of wonder if he sort of has a affiliate marketing scheme going on that uh, marketing, I don't know, some sort of affiliate scheme that he gets the kickbacks from everything. But um, uh, I'm not sure if that's working for him too well right now in the modern day of digitization, given that a lot of the information is online. Uh, but uh, that being the case, I was talking about grammar and how I wanted to learn more about the grammar. And this goes back to uh, my like my Latin days when I was studying Latin in university uh, through the uh, rather ping pong ball of my life in academia back in early uh, my my early twenties or my late teens and early twenties uh, and learning the Latin language uh, another language of um, massive dominance many years ago right and one of the things that we had to do with the Latin language was parse the sentences we had to parse the the verbs. Uh, and the grammar, and it was it always got me that um, that the professor would ask as well. Okay, so what does this mean? Do you know what this how the sentence is constructed? And I'd sit to go, no. I was sight reading a lot of it because I was a terrible student and wouldn't prepare for my class, uh, and I didn't look up in the back of the book the, uh, the the commentary of the book that explains this sentence is an example of the blah, blah, blah. This verb is in the pluperfect aspect. It's a subjunctive blah, blah, blah. So what I'm referring to is the tense of the the verb and the uh, what, subjunctive or active. So some subju- subjunctive would be like would, could, should sort of thing, like po- potential. Um, whereas in English, we use something called the modals. Uh, that would be would, could, should. And Latin would use two words. It would use the, the, the base sort of form and then a like a infinitive form of the passive form of the verb to be, I think it was. Forgive me if I'm butchering this. It's been a few years since I've had to analyze a Latin verb. Now, in English, we use two or three words to describe the exact same thing. To have been is three words, but they all to have been reading. So that's four words to say that you have been reading at some point. To uh, is <laughs> determiner <laughs> have been have is a, a third person of has um, been is the passive of to be and reading is a participle now I would just classify that as to have been reading right thinking nothing more of it but to break that all down uh, to have been reading is one of these things that this delta is this delta program is trying to teach me now Although I probably butchered that uh, that sentence, I will give you another sentence that uh, we had to uh, parse in the English in this book from uh, *About Language* by Scott Thornberry. So um, the idea was, 
is that we had to analyze a sentence and there was three methods. There was in terms of subject verbs and complements and things like that. There was in terms of phrasal, like phrases. So noun phrases or verb phrases, etc. And then in terms of like identifiers of what they each component word was. If this sounds really, really in-depth, like complicated, it does get bizarrely complicated. And you're kind of going, what? when would we ever need this? All right, so... Let's uh, let's start with a simple one. Uh, it's a free country. So it, apostrophe S, a free country. How do you break that down? Okay, so one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five words. Uh, five components. It, the subject. S, the apostrophe S, is the verb. And then a free country is a complement. Right. Now let's go back to the phrases. It, noun phrase. S, is verb phrase, a free country, noun phrase. One more, we got to identify as a noun, pronoun, verb, etc. It is a pronoun. Apostrophe S, a verb. A is a determiner, free, adjective, country, noun. And this last part, a free country, this is, this is sort of where I was kind of going, well, it's a free country. It's a uh, you know, it's a, a noun phrase. It's, uh, you know, it all goes together. And you're going, yes, it, is, it does go together, but each of those words has a functionality to it, has a function, right? And when you're teaching students this, is it free country or is it a free country? Is it a country or is it a free? Because if you said a free, you'd, you'd be expecting something after it, right? A free what? You still need to provide the noun for to complete that phrase. And it's it's... Free country? What do you mean by it's free country? So you have to understand the determiner, a, has to go before free country. Again, if, you, if you're not familiar with this terminology, it's probably because you've never had to teach the English language to anybody, and you've never had someone ask you, well, why is it a and not the? And why is there, sometimes the a is there, and sometimes it's not there, which means there's a, a zero determiner, so there's no reference, right? Uh, there's a, the, an, like A-N, and then null, basically. So let's take a look at another one. My friend lent them to me. My, one, two, three, four, five, six words. My friend lent them to me. My friend, subject, lent, verb, them, object, to me. Um, adverbial. Uh, right. And then my friend, noun phrase, lent, uh, verb phrase, them, Noun phrase, to me, prepositional phrase. To me, sorry, I'm going to double check that. I'll have to, uh, yeah, a subject, yeah, anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Finally, identify each part of this sentence. Uh, I'm going to have to double check what this a is. Is it a verbial or is it something else? But give me a, give me a minute here. My friend, uh, possessive adjective plus noun, lent, lent is the verb, them is a pronoun, and to me is a preposition plus pronoun. So again, this all goes back to having to identify all of the different component parts, and this is something that I was kind of afraid of looking at. Okay, now, I'm going to look back at this. It was chapter 12. It's cha In case you're wondering what it is, it's chapter 12. Uh, let's see, S-V-O-C-A. i got to double-check what A is. Come on, come on, come on. Where are you? Where are you? Adverbial, I think it is. Yeah, I, I didn't have that right. 
So what is it, a verbial? A verbial is like how, what, when, how something, how, what, and how, where, and when something happened, and it basically assists uh, the verbs in uh, where something has happened. S, uh, there we go. Yes, okay, here it is. So subject, verb, object, complement, and a verbial. S-V-O-C-A. So I was correct in identifying to me as a verbial. Stephen, what have you been reading? <laughs> Yeah, that's the book about language, Tests for language, uh, Teachers of the English Language uh, by Scott Thornbury. It's one of these books that is actually highly recommended. If you're ever going to go do the Delta, uh, there are probably, there's three books that you would have to start with uh, to, if you, if you even want to, if you're ever thinking that you're ever going to think about doing the Delta, so if you're an ESL industry professional, you're in some washed out uh, English teacher, whatever, and you're trying to up your game, Scott Thornbury's About Language. Um, what is it? Uh, is it Martin? Something Martin. Um, grammar for English language teachers. And then also uh, the A to Z of ELT, which is also by Scott Thornbury. So Scott Thornbury has two books, About Language and A to Z of, the, of ELT. And then there's another book, Martin Parrot. There you go. Martin Parrot. Uh, grammar for English language teachers. Those three books, if you can get them, if you can read through them, that will be your life, basically, uh, if you ever decide to do Delta Module 1. And the reading list, of course, changes throughout Delta Module 2 and Module 3, which I'm hoping that I'm able to do in Module 3 next year. And then Module 2, I'm actually told that uh, they used to send people to... Um, Thailand to do this. I'm like, I'll go to Thailand for three months. <laughs> you don't have to ask me twice. Now, it does, I've mentioned before, like if I leave China, I might not be able to come back. So if that's the case, then could I just leave China to go to Thailand for three months or a year, whatever? Still wouldn't be Canada. <laughs> but I mean, I'd have to shut down everything here and then uh, start things up in, in Thailand. I mean, who knows? I mean, it, in, interesting idea. Let's put it that way. I wonder if they uh, have Thanksgiving in uh, Thailand or if the expats care there. I'm not sure. Good question. All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. We're running long again today. Hope you enjoyed that. And, yes, if you do celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. If you don't, uh, well, happy Harvest Day. And if you don't like any mention of harvesting or anything, well, then let's celebrate the fact that we are alive and that we can change what we are and how we can contribute and think about how we can contribute to make a, a better overall society and a better overall place to live, right? All right, folks, show notes and uh, tracks up on my website, stephenserski.com. Hope you have a good one, and uh, we'll do this again. Bye-bye. <laughs>